0: It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast,
1: brought to you by fantasypoints.com. Top level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. I'm Joe Dolan, and welcome back to the Franchise Focus Podcast series on the Fantasy Points Podcast Network. We continue the franchise-focused podcast series with our third division, that being the AFC South. I've already previewed the AFC East and the AFC North. I hope everybody enjoyed those podcasts as much as I did. I hope everybody learned as much as I did, and I hope everyone was entertained as much as I did breaking down those two divisions. We have eight teams down following this round of podcasts. We'll have 12. And honestly, we're just going to keep on going until we're 32 down. We're going to break them down alphabetically by division. So the AFC South will begin with the Houston Texans, then the Indianapolis Colts, then the Jacksonville Jaguars, and then finally the Tennessee Titans. So thank you for continuing to support the podcast uh, series. I hope uh, this is something that... You'll make part of your pre draft routine in 2023, your pre training camp routine. Maybe you're doing best ball drafts right now and you're taking these nuggets to heart, as I am. So, thanks everybody for continuing to listen. And let's continue with our breakdown of the AFC South. Welcome to another edition of the Franchise Focus podcast here at fantasypoints.com. My name is Joe Dolan, and I am thrilled to welcome in one of the all time greats on the NFL beat. He's covered the Titans for a while. He does it on his own at PaulKaharski.com. He hosts the Paul Kaharski podcast. You might have guessed. His name is Paul Kaharski. You can follow him at Paul Kaharsky NFL on Twitter. Paul, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Uh, it's a thrill to get you on and a thrill to talk to a fellow Springsteen fan.
0: Well, thanks for buttering me up with that big introduction. Uh, you get anything you want out of me now. Yeah, there's the uh, – the- uh, that's my combination I can't get out of the way the right way Nashville uh, and uh, Springsteen combined for me so I'm a Jer- displaced Jersey guy
1: oh okay so i'm I'm from uh, I'm from southeastern Pennsylvania so uh, I'm in the south now too because I live in uh, Greenville South Carolina so we, we we just bonded over the fact we were both at the Atlanta Bruce Springsteen concert in February so and I've
0: got a brother who lives in Greenville I'm gonna be there in about a, a week for a week so well oh fantastic a lot of overlap.
1: Well, I'm uh, I'm glad that uh, I, I've I've met a fellow uh, a Yankee down south, uh, and uh, we're I'm excited we're going to get to talk some football here. We're going to talk. I didn't want to take too much of your time, so we're going to talk some Tennessee Titans. And I just want to talk about Tennessee's interest first and foremost. If you're listening to this, this the situation might have been resolved by now. But when Paul and I are recording this, the DeAndre Hopkins situation has not come to a head. The Titans seem to have some clear interest in DeAndre Hopkins. Paul, how do they feel DeAndre Hopkins fits on this team? And just if, if, if maybe I'm being a cynical fantasy player who remembers the Julio Jones situation, why do they feel like this is a different uh, different deal than the Julio situation?
0: Well, I think DeAndre Hopkins was uh... – playing better certainly more frequently healthy the six game suspension didn't help him in his last year in Arizona slightly younger than Julio Jones but i mean that that's the question on the downside and my big question Julio Jones came in here now he cost them in a trade in a in a big way not just finances so i'd right. be better off with it if it's just money it's going to be just money but um you know aging receivers who don't practice and the word is that hopkins is not a big fan of practice i i don't think that he's physically unable to practice however and that's a difference julio jones just wasn't able to practice um but that didn't pan out very well so it makes you a little bit wear- weary uh, but the fact of the matter is the Titans, after Traylon Burks, are really bad at wide receiver. They really botched the, the whole thing um, with A.J. Brown, and uh, they need to be more dynamic at wide receiver. If DeAndre Hopkins were in Nashville, a lot of guys would fall to uh, their more natural place. On the depth chart, uh, Chris Moore, Nick Westbrook-Akine, um, Kyle Phillips. And you know, barring injury, they'd be you know a, a lot better off. <clears throat> and you know, they've got uh huge injury issues over the last two seasons, so there's no guarantee that that receiving core would stay in line. He's not a, the guy who's going to uh blow past people and 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 stretch the defense, which is what they really need. But, you know, who's not who in their condition isn't going to take a guy that you can throw to who's just going to make sticky catches while he's well covered. Um, Mike Vrabel knows him from Houston. Tim Kelly, the new offensive coordinator, knows him from Houston. He had a big year in 2019 under him. Seems like a, a no brainer if they could get him.
1: So even if DeAndre Hopkins signs with the Titans, they need a breakout from Traylon Burks, in my opinion, to have a functioning NFL passing offense here. He only had 33 catches last year, fought through some injuries, but did have some of those first-round flashes. How optimistic are you that Traylon Burks can take the second-year leap forward?
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of the things that slowed him down as he was learning things last year seem to not be issues now. He has asthma. He had trouble adjusting to Nashville, as odd as that seems, because he played in the SEC and you wouldn't think it'd be that big a deal. But Nashville is a, a tough town in terms of the, the heat and the humidity. He stayed here throughout the offseason to work out in that. Um, <clears throat> his personality's really changed um, a lot more confident speaking with a lot more confidence, was on the field throughout uh, OTAs and mini camps without incident. Um, You know, I think if he could stay healthy and if he can adjust well to the offense, which is really largely new despite uh, Tim Kelly coming up, uh, you know, as Todd Downing's successor from within, um, you know, they're certainly keying on him. Other big options in the passing game are going to include – Shiga Konkwo, the tight end, who was very good when the ball came to him last year. It didn't come to him enough. It didn't go to Burks enough when he was healthy. Um, Tajay uh, Spears, the third-round uh, draft pick out of the backfield, is going to have a, a lot of opportunities when he's on the field as a third-down back or on the occasions when he's on the field instead of Derrick Henry or with Derrick Henry in first and second down because um, we talked about the, the thin – um the, the thin wide receiving core, but Traylon Burks is is clearly number one here um and would be probably co-number one if if Hopkins uh were to were to wind up here.
1: You mentioned the new offensive coordinator Tim Kelly. What are some of the uh, changes that you would anticipate to this offense stylistically under Kelly?
0: Well um they've changed the uh tempo first and foremost um to a degree that Um, you know, they said they were going to get faster. Well, they haven't really brought in many faster people. Their offensive linemen are faster, Uh, but they're saying, well, they're going to get more speed out of the guys that they have because of the way they're crafting the offense and because they're going to play more up tempo, be equipped to play more up tempo. They've gone to one word play calls. They'll be in and out of the huddle faster when they want to be. I think they'll get more plays um, when they want them because they're going to be more up-tempo. Um, the offensive line's been completely revamped, and most of the guys who've been added are better pass protectors than run blockers. It's been the other way around for a long time, um, so that'll be interesting. We know Derrick Henry is very effective when healthy. People are expecting him to drop up, drop off a cliff at some point. Didn't come last year where behind a bad offensive line on a bad offensive football team still found its way to 1,500 yards. Um, Did get caught from behind more. You could see the beginning maybe of a slowdown, but still a very effective running back. Um, But they were far too predictable, particularly with him running on first downs. I think Kelly will get away from that, see a little bit more uh, motion, um, at the snap, um, they've got to get down in the red zone more, uh, be less predictable on first down. And uh, fourth quarter, I, I just did in my podcast uh, something about Warren Sharp, uh, you know, did something. If if games ended at the end of the third quarter last year, the Titans would have been the third seed in the AFC. Um, and uh, instead they missed the playoffs. They had 10 fourth quarters where they were shut out. Um, so the the second half adjusting, uh, was, was virtually non-existent last year. They got to do a far better job of that.
1: You know, when, when a team like the Titans misses the playoffs and doesn't score as many points as you think they should, a a lot of the fingers end up getting pointed at the quarterback. And curiously, the Titans have spent a day two pick on a quarterback in two consecutive years. How long do you think Ryan Tannehill's leash is here? How much should the fingers be getting pointed at Ryan Tannehill?
0: It wasn't that Ryan Tannehill played. You know, super poorly last year was that he was hurt. He missed five games, and they they had to turn to Malik Willis, who was not ready at all. To the point that, um, that look, he was a rookie, and you knew he was a guy who was going to need some time to to get ready. But even from a rookie out of Liberty, who was going to need some time, you expected to see some flashes in the games he played. And what we saw was a guy who was so bad that they went out and got a practice squatter from Detroit and Josh Dobbs, who immediately went in front of Malik Willis because he was that bad. And Dobbs showed more life and did a better job, even though he didn't win either. So five games that Ryan Tannehill didn't start five games that the Titans, you know, had they won one, they would have uh, gotten to the playoffs and they didn't win any of them. Um, so, you know, Tannehill's in the last year of his contract. He's, he's very expensive. They've managed to finagle the salary cap in a way that they didn't have to, uh, extend him to, to smooth out the money. Um, but still far, far better than Malik Willis or the early, early signs of, of Will Levis, who I wasn't real excited about as as a draft prospect. So, um, you know, I think, Tannehill's in position here to have a good season and, and put pressure on them or be in position to be, you know, a quarterback for a team that, that is in transition and needs to, to, to get better the way he made the Titans better at the start of his Titans tenure uh, while they make the jump very likely to Levis in a year but Levis has to do a lot of good work behind the scenes and the Titans would be hoping that Tannehill stays healthy. And, um, you know, maybe in a year, if he surprises everybody, Tannehill's big question is the playoffs. He's been terrible in the playoffs. He's been a pretty good regular season quarterback in combination with Henry, as long as they can run a lot of play action and the defense plays well, he gets to the playoffs and, and, uh, there's a lot of doubt. And if he gets to the playoffs and they eke out one game, that's great. But is he going to run the gauntlet through, you know, Burrow and Mahomes and Herbert and Tua and Lamar Jackson? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple. You know, it's yeah. highly, highly, AFC's- highly-
1: <laughs> Um, So let, let's go to Will Levis. Um, uh, it's going to be a big question because if the Titans do struggle at some point, you know, there's going to be talk about going to Levis. Uh, Always hard to draw conclusions from shorts and T-shirts, but what did you see from him in, in early minicamps?
0: Yeah, he was not not particularly impressive. And uh, the comparison was more between he and and Malik Willis uh, than it was, you know, I'm, I'm not saying he should. It, you know, first off, you're hopeful if you draft a quarterback that high, he comes into those practices and it's kind of like dropping a bomb, right? You go, Whoa, look at this guy. And, and you feel like, uh, you know, immediate pressure on the starters. Nothing like that whatsoever. Then the second tier would be like, well, you see some flashes of, of the kind of things you're going to want to see from a quarterback on Sunday. And I didn't, I didn't see many of those. And it was apt that we were comparison, uh, comparing him to uh, Malik Willis when you'd prefer to be saying, well, there's some signs of Tannehill there. You know the guy that they want him to replace in a year, or the guy that he'd be replacing if Tannehill, uh, unfortunately, would get hurt again. Now, again, that's six practices in OTAs and uh, minicamp that we saw—no pads, no contact, all of that. Maybe the lights come on for him in in a bigger way in those in those situations. And he's got a lot to learn, and all of that comes out of a much more pro style offense that's much more similar to what the Titans do than anything that Willis did. Um, but, you know, Tannehill's not going into camp thinking, you know, there's any uh, anybody pushing him. It would be much more likely an injury situation or things gone awry situation. And I, frankly, I, I I think it'd be a huge surprise if the Titans got themselves in a situation where a healthy Ryan Tannehill – Got replaced by Will Levis uh, during this season. I think they'd like him to sit, watch, and learn. Maybe get some mop up, mop up duty, and then at the end of the season, if things have gone as badly as people are predicting for the Titans, uh, he'd okay. get in there. But I don't think this team's going to be. I don't think it's going to be good. But I don't think it's a three or four win team like uh, a lot of people are betting on. Uh, you know, I think Mike Vrabel's a very good coach. Things fell apart for that seven-game losing streak last year, but I think Mike Vrabel can coach this team to, to a floor of seven wins. Uh, they got a second-place schedule. They're playing the NFC South. They're playing Houston and, and the Colts, as usual. I think there are wins to be had for them, even if they're not particularly good.
1: So you mentioned in brief uh, Tyje Spears, the, the rookie running back out of Tulane. He was a third-round pick, which, as we know in this day and age, is a pretty good investment into a running back. Um, there were some medical concerns about him prior to the draft. The Titans don't seem to be very, uh, very concerned about it. What have you seen from Tyje Spears? Are you anticipating that there could be a, a role for him independent uh, of Derrick Henry?
0: The Titans not being concerned about a collegiate injury is not an indication that they shouldn't be concerned about a collegiate injury because they have a terrible uh history here and they shouldn't be bringing in guys that had, you know, serious hangnail problems given their uh state of their roster the last 2 years. Like he's ACL deficient it seems like and a lot of experts suspect like he won't be a second contract guy. Well, the Titans don't sign anybody to second contracts anyway. But if you're drafting a guy, I, I don't know why you'd choose to draft one who seems to project to having maybe a four-year career. He looks great. I mean, he he looks like a a, a great complementary back to to Henry. Again, this is with no pads and no, no contact. Um, catches the ball very smoothly. Derrick Henry has gotten better as a pass catcher, but Derrick Henry generally is, is facing the quarterback or running basic screens. He's not doing wide receiver-ish things. Spears was doing wide receiverish things in, in what we saw. I think he's the third down back right out of the gate. That was Dontrell Hilliard's job last year. He wasn't around. Dontrell Hilliard, by the way, led the Titans with four receiving uh, touchdown catches last year, sure. so there's there's room for that, and that's where Traylon Burke, so we were talking about, or DeAndre Hopkins would would come in handy. Uh, but I think Spears is the third down back right out of the gate, and we'll get some chances on first and second down, maybe some of them with Henry also on the field. But I, I think we'll see him used in all kinds of ways uh, as as much as he can handle, and uh, and he'll be a huge piece. In uh, newfound creativity for them,
1: you know, when I was watching Titans games last year, um, I remember just sitting there saying to myself, watching Chigaconquel, and I was saying, to myself, I am going to have this guy everywhere in fantasy." You know, he's he's a small tight end. He looks small. I almost looks like a running back out there. But boy, this guy moves incredibly well. Um, I think he, um, he basically equaled Traylon Burks's production on half the rec- the routes run do you think this is a guy who could become a legitimate game breaker for the Titans?
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's going to be, you know, George Kittle or Travis Kelsey, but I I think he's going to be very good. Uh, A lot of the metrics, you know um, what he did per catch and, and, and stuff like that were through the roof. And we were asking every week, once it was clear how dangerous he was about them getting him the ball more. And they kept saying Todd Downing and, and, uh, and Mike Vrabel both we're going to we're going to we're going to and they, they they never did i mean 3 4 targets a game and and it just never look they don't really believe in force feeding a guy and i understand that based on the matchups but when you're when you're sacrificing throws to chig to throw to jeff swain a blocking yeah. tight end you know, I, you got to throw to Swain once in a while to keep people honest. But uh, it, it, they were just spreading out too much last year when they had guys that were, you know, it was clear that Chigaconquo and Traylon Burks were their top level guys and everybody else was, was a C-level option. And they should have targeted and, and planned to get the ball to those guys more. Uh, and I, I think Titans fans are hopeful that they will do that this year. Um, they drafted uh, another big tight end out of Cincinnati. Um, Wiley, um, who I think could have a two-way role. And they brought in Travon Wesco, who hadn't practiced this offseason, but who's very much a blocking tight end to take on that role. So, you know. Any excuse that they needed to keep Okonkwo in to to block more should be gone, provided these two guys can do that job in line. And Okonkwo can be, you know, the Delaney Walker, Frank Wycheck type of guy that, you know, can do some dirty work, but that mostly can get out there and do damage as a receiver.
1: And Frank Wycheck, the original H-back, you know, he was he was like one of those guys who was always lining up in the backfield. I love when you throw a throwback name out there. Now, Paul, I've been asking all of my guests for an under-the-radar fantasy player that might contribute to this team, especially if the Titans don't end up signing DeAndre Hopkins. They're going to need somebody to catch passes here. Do you have somebody in mind who might be making a little bit of a leap this season?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It, it'll be Kyle Phillips, who was, uh, I think, a fifth rounder last year out of UCLA, He lit up training camp last year, short area, quickness, stop and go, um, targeted seven, maybe nine times in the opener against the Giants, made a big play to position them for a a game-winning field goal that they missed, but hurt his shoulder on that play and then had a couple games where he just wasn't the same. Then he finally was coming back from the shoulder and severely injured his hamstring. And was lost for the season. He really struggled as a punt returner. He muffed two punts in, uh, I think, the four games that he played, three or four games. He needs to be the punt returner for this team. He should be at the head of the line. He needs to get his head right on that. But I think as a slot guy who's going to, you know, catch um, six-yard passes on third and five and things like that, a little bit like Adam Humphreys, but more sudden. And the Titans brought in Adam Humphreys a few years back, you might remember, and he had concussion problems, but would have been a good answer for them. Um, I think if he can stay healthy, um, even if Hopkins is here, I, I think he'll get a lot of chances, particularly out of the slot. And he can be, he's, he's different than anybody the Titans have against man coverage um, can be a problem. And I think, especially in PPR, um i i think he can he can be a sneaky a sneaky guy to keep an eye on
1: so his name is paul kaharski you can follow his work on twitter at paul kaharski nfl he writes at paulkaharski.com and he hosts the paul kaharski podcast i love this paul because you were like i'm not coming up with the creative i'm gonna throw my name on it you're gonna know where to find my work i really appreciate that, um, and Titan fans certainly have known your name for a while. It's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me.
0: I was advised to brand it strongly, so yeah. I, I just went for it. So I hey, love it. I appreciate you having me. Uh, I wish you luck with all this stuff, and uh, let's check in uh, along the way
1: yeah thank you paul and welcome to greenville uh maybe you'll be here by the time people are listening to this it's been great hearing from paul kaharski it's been great uh talking to all of you listeners as we continue our 32 team franchise focused podcast series here at FantasyPoints.com. thanks for tuning in to this edition of the fantasy points podcast